the rapture. And what we want to do is look at one other aspect of the rapture. So if you'll take your Bibles, turn to John 14. And we have a good number of scriptures to read a little bit later, so we'll have a little sword drill again like we had a couple of weeks ago. Some of the real fast people wanted me to do this again <clears throat> so they could uh, show show off how fast they are. <laughs> and I want to say this to Brother Trinidad. We congratulate you and Sister Catherine and your family for this new boy, Trinidad, the third. All right. Then to the Montanios, congratulations to you, uh, baby boy. I'll tell you, the boys are certainly winning here at Calvary Gospel Church. Praise God. Well, I do want you to pray for Brother Harold Wold going into, sur into surgery tomorrow at 7 o'clock in the University Hospital. I'm to be there at 6.30 in the morning and prayer with him. This is quite a undertaking. Uh, he has leukemia. And then he has cancer on the left side of his neck. And it's quite extensive, and we're going to take this out. One complication he has, he has emphysema, and they're a little bit hesitant about putting him under because he has breathing problems. So the truth of the matter is, they told him if he didn't have this, he'd probably last until Christmas, and that would be it. So this is uh, a great situation. John 14, verse 1 through 6. We're going to talk about the coming of the Lord. All of you excited about Jesus coming? Praise God. Paul said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Somebody asked me, he said, how do I know if I am ready? I said, well, when we talk about the coming of the Lord, does it scare you to death or are you excited? I said, well, I, sometimes I'm afraid and sometimes I'm excited. Well, <clears throat> it should bring comfort to people who are ready. And it should bring a whole lot of fear to those who are not. So John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that great? And then we turn to Acts, the first chapter. And we want to read <clears throat> two scriptures. Acts 1, verse 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. And you may be seated. And then I want to continue to read, so I turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the passage of Scripture that we have read uh, throughout the number of messages that I've talked about the coming of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ 
shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> I want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. And I want to read verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm reading that scripture because I want to speak on the subject, God hath not appointed us to wrath. Now, I personally believe that the coming of the Lord, that is what is commonly called the rapture by Christians, will take place prior to the tribulation period. Now, we have a good number of Christians, some in our own ranks and in the United Pentecostal Church that believe, uh, they believe that the Lord will come sometimes during the tribulation period and others believe at the end, which is basically classified as uh, mid-tribulation or post-tribulation after the tribulation period. And I believe in pre-tribulation, I believe that the Lord could come back right now uh, without any further warning to anyone on this planet Earth. I really do believe that. Now, the word rapture, and we've gone over this with you, but I want to just discuss this a little bit in review. The word rapture actually comes from a Latin word, raptus, which means to be caught up or to be caught away. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible. And yet you hear Christians talking about it. It doesn't say rapture. It's not translated rapture, but it does talk about the, the catching away of uh, the Christian community. So I believe that the Lord could come back tonight. And the big question is, if he came back tonight, are you prepared? Are you ready? Because if Jesus came back tonight and you were not uh, ready, then naturally the world going into the tribulation period, there would be a whole lot of things that would take place on this planet Earth that uh, you're not ready for either. And that's what the future for the planet Earth holds, and that is what is known as the Great Tribulation Period. Now... I wanted to title this, God Hath Not Appointed Us to Wrath. There are some scriptures that I'd like to read. And when I say wrath, that is the judgments uh, that are found in what is commonly called the Day of the Lord. Now, the Day of the Lord in the Bible means several different things, but for the most part, when it speaks of the Day of the Lord, it's talking about the day in which God will send His judgment upon the planet Earth. Now, there are some rap, uh, references made in the Scripture about the day of the Lord that has to do with the Lord coming back to the planet Earth to take away the children of the Lord. So, uh, it is not a blanket, it's not a term that you use for uh, the tribulation period or for one particular thing, but in the sense in when I, which I speak of it tonight, that's what we're talking about. Now, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians and we'll read something about this, about the the time of the of uh, <clears throat> the coming of the Lord. All right, in First Thessalonians five verse one. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you you for yourselves. Pardon me. No, perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Uh, <clears throat> but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief, but you're the children of the light. And that just simply means that God has given us the, enough divine revelation to make 
the right decision to keep our hearts right with God. And I have repeatedly stated over and over and over, I can't make decisions for you, or I prefer not to make decisions for you. The most that I can do as a pastor is to give you enough information to make the, for you to make the right decision, for you to make the right choices. And this is what Revelation does also. God does not make up your mind for you. He gives you enough enlightenment for you to make the right decision. Now, how does he do that? Well, he does it through preaching. He does it through teaching. He does it through friends. God can bring revelation or light to you through many different sources. Some people have dreams, some visions, tongues, interpretation. Recently, we've had God to speak in such great ways that our uh, annual planning session last Friday night and Saturday, we ended up on Saturday with a sweeping move of the Lord. There was a message in tongues. There was an interpretation. The power of God moved in a great way. And we wept and we cried and we sought God. And it was like God was just opening our understanding. That's what revelation is. He opens your understanding. I think as the day of the Lord comes, as it's spoken of here, and that's talking about the rapture, that we are are going to receive more and more revelations uh, about His coming. And, and I guess maybe it disturbs me when I hear a message in tongues and interpretation about His coming, and I see people that go away and they don't redesign any activities. They don't, they don't redirect their lives. They don't do anything. They just go back home and live the same old life they've lived before. Now, this is what the Lord was saying, that that day will catch you as a thief in the night. In other words, you're not taking heed to what he's saying. And I, I think if there's anything that we need to pay attention to, and that is when God talks, we need to listen up. We really need to listen up. When there's tongues, when there's interpretation, when there's prophecy, when someone is speaking and God speaks to us through that person, whether it be the pastor, whether it be a Sunday school teacher, whether it be a parent, a teacher in a Christian school, or maybe someone on the radio, you really do need to listen up. You really do. And God can use even un-Christian things, such as maybe a newspaper article that is certainly not inspired of the Lord and may be somewhat derogatory toward uh, Christian values and such, but he can use that to at least let you know that he's coming back soon because you'll maybe see the fulfillment of some signs. And I think this is the day and the hour in which we need to look up for our redemption draweth nigh. Now let's turn to Second Thessalonians the second chapter, and I just read this last Sunday night, or at least a part of this, not all of it, but Second Thessalonians 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither in spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And uh, what he's talking about here, he's talking about uh, the time in which the Antichrist or the tribulation will take place or his wrath will be poured out upon the planet Earth. Now, how do you know that? Because of the context of this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's talking about the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist is first spoken of in the Bible, in the, in the book of Revelation. I think the Antichrist is first spoken of in Revelation 11, 7. It's talking about the beast. Then again in Revelation 13. And then next in Revelation 17. Now, verse 4, the Bible says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, that is called God, or that is worshipped, 
so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that I told you when I was yet with you, and I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And I think that's making a reference to the rapture or the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, maybe I should say, in this sense, the body of Christ because of the masculine gender uh, pronoun is used. All right, he. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So I read to you two passages of Scripture in which it talks about the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, which basically are the same, but one is making reference to the rapture, the other is making reference to the time in which he will visit the planet Earth with his wrath. Then there are other references in the Scripture that's definitely talking about when the Lord comes back to set up his earthly kingdom, the millennium, or his millennial reign, or he comes back for the battle of Armageddon. All right. And so <clears throat> uh, after the rapture, then, there is, there is tribulation, great tribulation that comes to the planet Earth. Now, I think uh, I'd like you to turn the book of Revelation. We'll turn to Revelation 4. I, I personally think the book of Revelation is different from all other books of prophecy. And it's different in this respect that it is a revelation or it is the unfolding or it is the revealing of all Bible prophecy. So if you look in the book of Jeremiah, you look in the book of Ezekiel, you look in the book of Daniel, you look in some of the minor prophets, Joel, Amos, Hosea, Micah, you look in those and you will find prophecies about uh, the coming of the Lord. You'll find prophecies about Israel. You'll find prophecies about uh, uh, life in general, uh, the course of events down through time. But sometimes they are quite confusing to the mind because uh, for the most part they're not in what I call chron chronological order. In other words, uh, they jump back and forth. Now, there are references in the book of Revelation in which the, it does, I think, jump back and forth. And, it, you know, that's necessary to explain uh, some things. But I think for the most part that the happenings of the book of Revelation are in chronological order. So we find that, that uh, first in Revelation 1, there is the introduction or the salutation of Jesus Christ, the introduction of Jesus Christ, there is a great tribute given to him. Uh, he is known here as the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Verse 8 of Revelation 1, uh, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And there is a description given of Jesus Christ. And this description that's given of Jesus Christ is very similar to the description given back in the book of Daniel that deals with uh, Daniel's description of the Ancient of Days. Now, it's amazing. Uh, some people just miss this altogether because they are confused about the Godhead. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the Almighty. Thomas proclaimed Him to be my Lord and my God. And there is only one Lord, there is only one God, and His name is Jesus. Now John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of trumpets, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. And basically what he did was, he took a trip, a visionary trip, through time and saw the unfolding of all of life. Now, it starts out by speaking of Jesus Christ, and basically when it talks of Jesus as being Alpha and Omega, it, the truth of the matter is uh, uh, 
alpha being the first letter of the Greek alphabet, omega being the last letter. Basically, you could put it like this. Jesus is everything from A to Z. Now, that's, that's what the Bible says. And the, the, then if you want to, to, to uh, put it further, because we see in the book of Revelation the folding, uh, the folding up of all of time or the ceasing of time, and we see in the book of Genesis, the beginning of time, you can say that Jesus Christ is everything from Genesis to Revelation. That's basically what the Bible is saying, that He is everything. He is the Almighty. Now, what John saw, John saw the seven churches of Asia, which represent the various church ages. First, the message uh, to Ephesus. This is the very first church age, the apostolic age, and it lasted until somewhere around 300 A.D., and then to Smyrna, the persecuted church, lasted somewhere uh, up until uh, in the mid-300 uh, 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 A.D., and then you find Pergamos, uh, the, which is uh, the church that that begin to compromise and marry the world, and then the church at Thyatira, which is known as the Tribulation Church. Uh, if you notice one thing, uh, she is to go into great tribulation, according to verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. And there is a church in the tribulation period that's spoken of, and that is... In Revelation 17, that's the false church. And you see her in great tribulation. And she is known here as uh, the wicked Jezebel. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Bible talks about her seductions, her committing fornication. Uh, God gave her space to repent. She repented not, so this parallels... Jezebel, the Old Testament. And that church is spoken of in the book of Revelation. And then the church of Sardis, which is the Reformation church, that's in Revelation 3, uh, 1 through 6, and then the church of Philadelphia, which is the church of brotherly love, that's Revelation 3, 7 through 13, and then the last church age, which is the church of Laodicea, and that's verse 14 through 22. And then after the church ages are completed, and by the way, these were actual churches that existed at that time, but they were, each one represented a particular church age. Now, uh, I am not able to get into all of that tonight because of time, but it's a very interesting study how that, as you look at church history, how that all the characteristics of these churches fit definite time frames. Now, after that, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> you will notice that after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So John in this visionary trip, he takes a trip up into heaven just like you and I will take when the rapture takes place. So this is prophecy that deals with the rapture. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set up in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat uh, was to look upon like a jasper. And there was all these precious stones and such, and you find you find the description uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you find a description of the, uh, of the church in heaven, and you find a description of the holy city itself. And, and I'll tell you the truth. I've, I've been reading some scriptures about hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. My, 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 I want to go to heaven. And when you consider the gates of the city, uh, the Bible speaks of the gates of the city. The Bible speaks of the gate as being... Just solid pearl, and it's 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 unbelievable. It's it's amazing to me that 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 riches can keep some people out of heaven, 
In other words, it appears that if they're so set on riches and they love gold and silver and, and precious stones and such, they want to go to heaven because that's where it's all going to be. When you think of a pearl that, that's just about the size of the end of a, I don't know if you know anything about a twenty-two long rifle, but a pearl about that size, a good pearl will cost you about $2,200. And you think of a gate that's at least 1,500 miles high that opens up into this holy city. And you think, wow, what would the cost of it be? God could take all the pearls in the world and slap them all together, compress them, make one great big one. <laughs> he can. He take all the gold in the world, pave the street. The only dust that's up there will be gold dust. <clears throat> Some of you ladies get tired of all this dusting. When you get up there, it's just going to be gold dust. That's, that's what we're going to see, see. So the church in Revelation 4, um, if, if you will look in Revelation 4, and look in Revelation 5, you will see the church is in heaven. It talks about the four and twenty elders. I think this is uh, uh, indicative of uh, the twelve tribes of Israel along with the uh, twelve apostles. In other words, they represent the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints in heaven. And then after this, in Revelation 6, John then returns back to the planet Earth and, uh, of course, as I preach Sunday night, the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, received the book. And he is to take and, and take the seals off the book. And he is loosening a particular area of that book so that judgments will come upon the planet Earth. Now, I am not going to tell you what the book is all about or what I think the book is because, truthfully, I just don't know. But it's a book full of judgment. I've heard some preachers say, well, it's the Bible. And man will have to give an account not only at the white throne judgment, but also uh, the soul that sins shall surely die. And there must be much hurt on the earth because that man has rebelled against God. So the book will be read and man will be held accountable or responsible because of his rejection of the Lord right here on this planet earth. So God opens a portion of the book. I don't really know. I don't think it's explained, but I do know that there are certain things that happen. Now, in Revelation 6, the Bible tells us that there are riders of four horses. The white horse, and then we see the second horse, and that second horse is a red horse. The third horse is the black horse, and the fourth horse is the pale horse. And... Of course, these represent conditions. Uh, a lot of people say, well, the, the first rider is the Antichrist, and that's the first mention of the Antichrist. Well, its name is not mentioned there. I'm just assuming that, uh, you see, the first horse is a rider of a white horse, and we've already talked to you in one lesson about uh, the coming of the Lord, and one of the conditions uh, is that... Uh, when they shall cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction. And the very first condition after the rapture takes place is that there will be a false peace movement that will be worldwide. And, of course, it's the spirit of Antichrist that's promoting this. The problem is not in trying to have peace because that's something God wants. Uh, God is the prince of peace, but you cannot have peace without God. Uh, let me just put something else in. We have always been against one world government, but the truth of the matter is, in, 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 when it comes down to the best type of government that you could possibly have on the planet Earth would, would probably be one world government. And, and people are seeing this. They may say, why? Well, that's what we're going to have during the millennial. See? The millennial reign. So... But, but Christ will be at the head of the government. The problem we have now is that, that people want a one-world government, but they want to be their own God, and they want to eliminate God. And so you cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. It's just that simple. So the red horse that comes 
the Bible says that power was given to him, verse 4, uh, to take peace from the earth. In other words, what the first rider gave, the second rider takes away. And so then we have war on the planet earth, and then we have famine that comes in, in verse 5, and then, of course, in verse six, uh, 7 and 8, we have death and hell that comes. This is talking about great... It's kind of a combination of all except the first one. And there was famine, there'll be war, there'll be all kinds of things that happen on the planet Earth. And, of course, this came as a result of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, opening up one of the seals. That's found in Revelation 6, 1. So whatever the book is, it definitely contains the judgments. So one of the seals is taken open, a portion of the book is open. And guess what? When it's poured out upon the earth, then this is, this is, this is what takes place. Uh, I'm saying all that to say this. If you're not ready to meet the Lord, you don't want to be here. You want to get ready. You definitely want to get ready. Because the Bible says that, that power was given unto the rider of the fourth horse to kill one-fourth or a fourth part of all the people on planet Earth. Now, I don't know how many people on the planet Earth now. Uh, there's better than five billion people. So it, it's hard to imagine that all of a sudden, let's say there would be uh, one billion, uh, 500 million people, something like that, uh, destroyed in just a short period of time. So there would be dead people everywhere. Now, how soon this is going to take place, I don't know. In other words, somewhere during the, the beginning of this, this is when the Lord's going to come back. Now, I, I, I have a feeling myself, and, and I'm a little hesitant to, to share this because some people think, well, the pastor's probably right, and so I'm going to wait a little while. Now, I've said that I don't think there's anything that would prevent the coming of the Lord. So I'm only giving my, my, my opinion, all right? Now, the apostles all thought the Lord could possibly come with them in, in their lifetime. If you notice what the Apostle Paul, he says, uh, we will be caught up to meet him in the air, and we'll be with them. He includes himself as if the Lord's going to come in my lifetime. And I think Christians throughout all ages have expected the Lord to come in their lifetime. And quite frankly, I think that uh, it is the healthiest thing that, that is going for the church as far as uh, the church's battle against complacency, materialism, uh, apostasy, or whatever. Uh, if, you are, if you stay ready today, and you stay ready tomorrow, and you stay ready each day, uh, you will no doubt go up uh, in the rapture. But if you're not ready today, and you don't know when it's coming, and you weren't ready yesterday, and you have no plans to be ready tomorrow, but someday you will, in all probability you won't be ready when the Lord comes. See, that's procrastination is the cancer of the soul. And the longer you put off things, the harder it is. And some people with just good intentions think that, you know, that God's just going to have mercy on them. They're going to be saved regardless of what takes place. And that's just not the way that it is. Now, because that there's no mention of the church on the planet Earth, and there's certainly no mention of a lot of, uh, you know, people missing, that's during the tribulation period, I assume then that that uh, I'm making this assumption that the rapture will take place at such a time in which God could take all the people off the planet Earth and the world itself not be aware that He has come back. In other words, a situation like Desert Storm or like some of the, the situations we had during the time in which we were at in a cold war with, with Russia, uh, where, you know, a couple of times we were, they said, within five minutes of uh, 
nuclear explosions throughout the earth and because false information had been given. One time, I remember back in, I think it was the late 60s, or early 70s, it came out. Time Magazine ran an article on it and said that because of false information given to the Soviet Union, that they were within five minutes of sending off anti-ballistic missiles that would have uh, capabilities of reaching America. You think of something like that. So you, you think of... Uh, you think of something coming into the planet Earth uh, or into the atmosphere from some other continent, and all of a sudden these things start going off, and, and there'd be m millions of people or thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, whatever, dead all over the Earth, and then all of a sudden uh, the surviving people have to cope with the burial of all these people. And it's necessary to get them in the ground, get them covered up, and get them covered up in a hurry because disease, no doubt, would be everywhere. And we're talking about something that's not beautiful. We're talking about something that is extremely, uh, extremely uh, pitiful. Uh, you know, and, and you, you, you think about this in, in this sense, that, that everything has to be kind of a quick work. We... We saw what happened in Ethiopia and some of the other areas where famine and starvation, they had the big trenches dug and bodies were cast in. People didn't know if their relatives were buried or not. It, it is possible, I'm just saying it's possible, that the rapture could take place at such a time. And then, of course, after something like this, the church could be gone. Nobody would really miss the church. <coughs> Maybe no references would be made. Nobody knows where they were buried or what happened to them. You know, we think of the rapture taking place. Uh, uh, we think of uh, cars being alongside the road with no drivers and airplanes perhaps crashing and graves opened up. And uh, I understand. I've heard a lot of songs like that, and I've even talked about that, and that's a possibility. But there's no re reference in the Scripture of any great panic by the residents left behind that this, this, this is that way. And, and yet the Lord's going to come in such a way that, that people won't know that He's coming or perhaps know that He even came. Now, I only gave you my opinion. And sometimes when the Bible is silent, it's better to just be silent. But I've been asked by a lot of people what I thought and I'll just give you my opinion. I, I personally think that, that no doubt something will, will take place in which people will leave this earth and nobody will know. They'll just simply not know. No, it's what happened to Pastor and Sister Grant. Well, I don't know. What happened to uh, Brother Seidel and Sister Seidel? Well, I don't know. You know, well, we do know that, that the Lord does talk about two grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. We know that. But you also have to understand there are contrasting conditions that, that are spoken of in the Bible relative to the coming of the Lord, that is, the, the rapture taking place. They'll be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They did this until Noah entered into the ark. Also... Uh, until fire and brimstone came out of heaven and consumed all the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the twin cities. We, we know that. And, and no doubt there will be some people that will testify. But for the most part, uh, people won't believe it. Just, uh, I turned on the radio for about five minutes today going home. I was listening to WBBM in Chicago. And I don't know where this was because I didn't catch it. Uh, until they said that some coroner had had pronounced someone dead, checked the body. This person was dead. They were taken to the morgue, and uh, they were making plans to take them to be embalmed, and all of a sudden someone detected the person was breathing. And so uh, I don't know where that happened. Maybe somebody knows, but you heard it. At any rate, they rechecked the body. The person was alive, and uh, 
So when they asked this man what happened, he said, well, now this is what he said. He said, the person was dead when I checked them. We, you know, and, and I verified their condition. And if the person is alive today, it's just a miracle of God. But you see, the way they said it's just a miracle of God, <laughs> you could tell what they were saying is, ha-ha, you made a mistake, buddy. Now, you could tell the, the, just the way they said this. You know, it, it is amazing. We were talking in the office before church, and we were talking about equal riots. Rights, not riots. <laughs> equal rights. <laughs> but uh, it seems like that the only people that can really be discriminated against uh, the only area in which uh, uh, bigotry is, uh, is is it's okay is in the area of religion, in which you can be against you can, you can be against people for what they believe, uh, spiritually speaking, but uh, outside of that you can't. Now I said all that to say this that that we do live in an anti-Christ world. There's no doubt about it, and even when even when situations uh, seemingly point toward a miracle, people will people say, oh, no, 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 that's not right. And I know I've heard a lot of people say, man, if we had all the miracles ahead in the days of Jesus, uh, we, we, we would just, we'd turn America upside down. Now, wait just a minute now. I want to see more miracles, but I'm not for sure that that happened. And you may say, well, uh, Jesus turned Israel upside down, did he? They crucified him. Did he not go to the cross? 120 went to the upper room, and that's all. In other words, uh, <clears throat> it, it is possible for there to be such anti-Christ, so many anti-Christ seeds sown, and, and, and that's pretty much true now. You, know, uh, you, you look in the paper. Brother Seidel was up here, and he's talking about, let's all pray we'll get our deer. And, and and now because of this animal riots, riot. What am I going to do with riots? I guess that'd be a good term there. Animal rights thing. Uh, it, it is it is amazing that, and you know, and the truth of the matter is that people that say, well, the scripture gives us permission. Don't say that because you'll just be laughed to scorn. But isn't it true that whatever we have, as far as liberties are concerned? It must have its base in the Scripture. I mean, it must have its base in the Scripture. And, and, and if you take, take that away from man, I, I suppose that, that uh, after a while, to, to cut your grass might be a sin. I mean, it, it does have life. It's a different form of life, but... And, and people say, well, plants don't have feelings. Well... Some psychologists will argue otherwise. They say if you talk to your plants, they grow good. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. <clears throat> we got some plants up here that haven't grown. and <clears throat> Well, <clears throat> okay, all right. But, but you follow what I'm saying, that th this, is, this is just so, so important. Now, what I want to do, and, of course, the Antichrist is spoken of, First in Revelation 11, and then in Revelation 13. This is when he seemingly surfaces. And then you read about the Antichrist. Now, <clears throat> God has poured out his wrath upon people. There is a reference made concerning Israel and their rejection. In, in Psalm 78, the Bible speaks of their... Uh, wandering, they're floundering, they're turning away from God, their rejection of God in the days of, uh, that they were in the wilderness. Uh, they forgot about the covenant of the Lord. I'm reading Revel uh, pardon me, Psalm 78. Uh, and God, uh, the Bible says, let's read verse 38. But he being full of compassion gave, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not, yea, many time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath in other words he he sent his wrath upon them but it was to a degree all right for he remembered that they were but flesh a wind that passeth away and cometh not again 
and I want to say this, I certainly do appreciate the mercies of God. The mercy of God, what will we do? But because of man's rejection, because of man's rejection of God, there is a time in which he's going to take the church out and he's going to pour out his wrath upon the planet Earth and uh, it's going to be different from that day in which some lived for him and some didn't. Uh, his mercy was still being extended to them. Now I want to read something about the wrath of God that's found in the book of Revelation. So if you'll take your Bibles and close your Bibles, and we'll have a little sword drill. We've got to get through this in a hurry because our time is running out. The first scripture, all right, you keep... All these come from the book of Revelation, so don't keep your hand back there. All right? All right. Revelation 6, verse 16 and 17. And close your Bibles. I did not say charge. Sit back down, Sister Valerie. <coughs> First thing you do as a Christian, you learn to follow instructions. <coughs> Sister Valerie, you're not the only one. <laughs> there were several people about ready to get up. <coughs> All right. <coughs> Now, only when I say charge do you open your Bible. All right. Get your finger out of that Bible where you're going to read that. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> All right. Revelation 6, verse 16 and 17. Charge. And stand up and read it loudly when you find it. Okay. Okay, now stand up. I'm not going to embarrass anybody else. All right, Sister Ashley. Question mark. The great day of his wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? It's called the wrath of the Lamb. And the reason why this is so unique is that a lamb ordinarily is not wrathful. You think of a wrath. Uh, a wrath. <clears throat> you think of a lamb as being docile. All right. Okay. Everybody have their Bible closed? Revelation eleven eighteen. Charge. First one to get it, stand up and read it loudly, okay? Just send it. All right, this talks about his wrath. Now, we'll let the first one that starts reading be the winner of this, all right? 
I don't know if anybody's keeping score. We don't have a lot of them, but let's go again. Close your Bibles. Revelation 14, 10. Charge. Now this says that we that these people will drink of his wrath, and it talks without mixture. That simply means that that there will be no mercy added to this wrath. Oh my! Would you want to be here on this planet Earth at that time? God forbid that any of you would miss it. I'm talking about missing the rapture. All right, Revelation 14:19, charge. so excited about this sword drill that we missed the message because this this is something that we really need to consider all right revelation 15 1 charge Coleman has three scriptures. Armenti, whatever you do, make sure you, you make the rapture. Have to find the scriptures like this, okay? All right. Close your Bibles. All right. Revelation 15, 7. I never said charge, and a lot of you open your Bible. <coughs> Well, I'll tell you. All right. Charge. Revelation 15, 7. All right. This is the first guy that stood up. All right. Looks like that's the only way we can win it. It's confused, you ladies. Okay, you ready for another one? Revelation 16, 1, charge. My. You hear what she said? Read that again, Chris. seven angels. They're going to take the vials. That's uh, talking about uh, uh, bowls. And they're going to pour out the wrath of God on planet Earth. Oh my. I want to go up to meet the Lord in the air. We're having fun, but that doesn't give anybody the permission to turn around and hit somebody or talk to anybody. There we go. Gotta get you kids rapture ready here. All right, Revelation 16. Can't read my right. <laughs> I'm gonna guess at it. Revelation 16, 9, charge. Read it, Susan. Okay. Does that contain the word wrath? I don't think it does. Just ten? There's eight to seven? I can't read my writing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, all right. Revelation 16, 19. Okay. Read that one, Armenti, if you would. 19.
So all over the planet Earth, you see the wrath of God coming upon man. See, there is a side to God that, that people, especially in this new age uh, era that we live in, that they don't like to think of. The truth of the matter is, the way God is described by most people, you can take your Bibles and throw it away. Any man's opinion is what they're saying about God is as good as the next man's. So whatever you think God to be, that's what he is. That is not correct. It is not correct. And this is the reason why that so many people are getting so far off base, uh, scripturally speaking. And uh, God is no more than just uh, an inner awareness to a lot of people. To, to some, it's a, it's a figment of the imagination. It's some higher power. Okay, Revelation 19.15, charge. Right now, what I want to do, I want to take. Uh, I don't know if I should just have the men to look for this one, or have, no, I shouldn't say this, or have all of those under uh, under thirteen. Why don't we have all those under thirteen? Look for this scripture. All right, just and and this is not in the book of Revelation now, so this is going to be a little more difficult for you. All right, all of you ready? How many of you have a Bible and you're under thirteen? You have not re yet reached your 13th birthday. All right. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10, charge. How many of you adults have it? Two men, no ladies. Three men, no ladies. Okay, all right, listen to what you're saying, okay? We had two that started reading at the same time. Kristen Seidel, and then we have Susie, okay? Susie Capaccio. Read this, Kristen, and we'll have Susie read it too. All right, okay, Susie, you have it. Read it too, to us. So God has basically delivered us from his wrath to come. That simply means that God has put his Holy Spirit in us. I, I believe with all my heart that the church will not go through the tribulation period. Uh, you may say, Brother Grant, I don't see it that way. Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, whether we do or whether we don't, we can still be saved. We can still make it. Uh, there are a lot of people that, that have gone through enough persecution on this planet Earth that they would, uh, they would almost interpret that as to be the wrath of God. The thing about it is, there is no guarantee that Christians will not be persecuted. In fact, there is a guarantee that you will be. But that's not what we're talking about. There's a difference from receiving persecution from man, and I do agree that during the tribulation period when it comes to the Antichrist, some of that will come from false religion, some will come from Antichrist, but for the most part, it will come from God himself. So persecution, yes. Trials, yes. Do we have anybody here that's never had a trial? Anybody? Never had a trial. Okay, Armenti, you say. Okay, she has, Armenti says if there's nobody here that's had a trial, she has a portion she'd share with you. All right. Trials, yes. No doubt about it. And then, of course, temptation. Uh, we go through temptations. Anybody here has never been tempted? Even Jesus was tempted, so I suppose it's not sin to be tempted. It's when you give yourself to temptation. And then, of course, tribulation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's read this scripture. John 16, 33, charge. First person to find it, stand up. Okay, so tribulation is promised. 
His promise, it's to come from where? From the world. From the world. In, in the Lord we have peace. Tribulation comes from the world. All right, wrath. Yes, we will receive some wrath from individuals. Some of you have been on the brunt of this. So you know what it's all about. So the Bible's not saying that, that it won't come, but the wrath of God, that is something that's different altogether. All right, let's do this. Let's, let's read Jeremiah 10, 10. Jeremiah 10, verse 10. Charge, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I, I goofed everybody up. I didn't say charge, but go ahead and read this. Okay. Read it. hear what the Bible's saying, that there is a time in which the true God, the everlasting King, that the earth will tremble at the wrath of God, and nations will not be able to abide His indignation. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And then we turn to Romans 5, and we'll have all of you to stand. Romans 5. Yeah, charge. Just... just when you when you when you have it just stand up okay <clears throat> praise god <clears throat> i suppose we could read all of this therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through jesus through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So tribulations will come. We're not talking about the tribulation here. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's just basically saying that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is showing his love to us. And even though... We definitely should be the recipients of the wrath of God. He has shown mercy because Jesus Christ has come. But an outright rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ will cause the world to go into the tribulation period, a time in which the wrath of God will be poured out without measure. I just don't want to be here. I want to go up to meet the Lord in the air. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Would you do that? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Lord Jesus, you're so very good to us. You're so wonderful. God, you're so mighty. God, you're so true. You reached down and saved us, O oh God. Oh, yes, you did, Lord. You put our feet on solid ground. Showed your mercy to us, Lord. Gave us your love. Reconciled us. And we thank you, Lord, for this. Praise God. If we have just one person here tonight that would like to strengthen their relationship with God, the altar is open, and we give you an invitation to come. Praise God. I know we have more than one, but we do this just for one person. Because we don't want anybody. You have not repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and been filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to do it tonight. Tonight. I say tonight you need to do it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Our praise singers will sing it this time. Take advantage of this opportunity. Come and give your heart to the Lord. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day. 